he will never fail. He doesn't know how to. <laughs> Praise God. You are good. You're good. Oh, let faith rise in our hearts. You are good. So good. Oh, yes, you are good. You're good. Even when I don't see you, Lord, you're good. You are good. You're good. So good. You're good. If you have a need in your heart, in your home, in your life, would you just stick up your hand right where you are? We're not going to ask you what that is. But the Lord knows what it is. Lord, as hands are raised around this room and as your Holy Spirit has used this simple thought that you are good and that you never fail and that you'll never let us go, I pray right now over every person who's got a hand raised that, Lord, you would meet them in the place of their need. Lord, you never, ever called someone to come out of the place of their need without having met them there first and gave them the push they needed to keep going forward. So God, I pray that over this church today, every hand raised and every heart turned to you, that Lord, you would demonstrate yourself even this week to be better than we could even imagine or think in every area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Today, we're going into a new series. It'll last us three weeks. And that series is called Heart for the House. Um, we do this on an annual basis where we capitalize somewhere in the first quarter or so of the year, and we talk about something that's really important to us. Throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, there are places that talk about the people of God having either a zeal for his house, having a love for his house, having a love for those who are part of his house and his family. And so we highlight this, and we also take time to have what we call a giving initiative. And so today, and for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some things. Now, you might be tempted to think that this is just a series about money. It is not. Actually, I don't know if I'll say the word money very much today. I'm going to be talking about the concept of generosity that we find in Scripture. But I really love what we've done because it's a standout event on our calendar each year. Um, if you pulled in this morning, hopefully you pulled in and drove and parked right here in this parking lot, you saw a playground and fencing that's there. Um, God did that last year and you did that. Give your, yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. We had businesses who partnered with us, um, Chick-fil-A, who sponsored the playground build as well. We had individuals in the church who gave uh, to see that dream come to life and to become a reality. Um, it's the first playground that I think we've ever had here uh, in 44 years, so I'm pretty excited about that being something uh, for our children. It's really helped out on the weekly meetings and the events that we've had. And here's what I find God always does. He does something so awesome. He takes the little or the tiny bit that you have and he multiplies it and makes it into something so substantial. You could have never done it by yourself, but we are better together. So I'm so thankful that God has given us that project and we can see that. Um, those mustard seed, the Bible talks about having faith as a mustard seed, that little tiny bit of faith and whatever dollar amount that we gave last year went to build that. This year, we have a, a different project kind of on our heart. 
Now, there are plenty of things to do around here. Um, we could pull up this carpet. We could get new siding. Uh, we could invest in some landscaping. We could try to relocate uh, and get out of the flood zone that we're stuck in. Uh, we could do a lot of different things. And in the midst of all of that, I really felt like God was directing me to do something that would develop a ministry inside of the church for not just the benefit of our people, but also for those who are outside of the church and those who are in our community. So a couple months ago, I, without any type of initiative on my own, uh, got a phone call. And that phone call was, hey, um, Pastor Dexter, could we sit down and talk to you about something? And I said, sure. And I said, okay, we'll talk, talk about whatever it is. And I had Maddie Batarsa, who's here with us today, and Eric Dismuke, who is serving in our kids' ministry uh, this morning. Um, I had them come, and they sat down, and they started telling me their heart to build a youth group. And I thought, yeah, it's high time we did this. Um, it's just so amazing what God has done in a short period of time. God put a burden on their heart to lead. And here's something really significant. I don't want you to miss this. When God calls you to step out in faith, if you obey, he takes care of the rest. He literally does every single time. You can see biblical examples of that. You can see your own life examples probably of that as well. So two months ago, we had our first teen nights here at the church. And that was the first time we had had teenagers, like more than one, uh, meet together in, in the matter of more than seven years. That's pretty amazing, right? When you think about it that the Lord actually gave that same sort of heart and direction toward, to us when we started our renovations in our building three and a half, four years ago, when we were in the middle of that, uh, people looked at me a little bit crazy because I said, we're gonna take out these walls and put these other walls up and we're gonna have these rooms where we can have kids and families uh, be able to be ministered to every Sunday. And they were like, really? Because we only have like five kids around here. What do, how are we? Well, if you haven't noticed, we have more than five kids these days. Because we built it and the Lord really did supply for the need that was there. And so I'm so thankful because here's something really awesome. As a result of Heart for the House, there have been individuals, you sitting here today, who have given faithfully even throughout the rest of the year, even so much so that last week we received a gift from somebody with an earmarked amount for Celebrate Kids. So someone has continued to have a heart for the house in the midst of us not even being in a giving campaign or anything else because they saw the need for it and they recognized that and that helps supply for the need that we have in our ministries to be able to do something. So in our church budget, we don't have a line item that says youth ministry, $5,000 is in this bucket and you can take whatever you need. We just started with faith and obedience and two crazy college kids who said they were willing to do it and started doing that. And we've had good numbers of youth every week since then. And we even thought, hey, we'll probably just do it like once or twice a month. We don't know about doing this whole weekly thing. And the Lord helped us to step out in obedience to do that too, to have an opportunity for the teens who are in our church and related to our church to come and have some time together. So this year, our Heart for the House giving initiative is going to be to develop that ministry, the, the teen ministry, and be able to give towards that goal. I'm really thankful because it's really significant that two college students thought they heard God, 
confirmed with their pastor, stepped out in obedience. Guys, this is awesome. I, I want to communicate this to each heart that's here. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If God puts something in your heart and you say yes to that thing that you know he's put in your heart, you know it lines up with scripture, you know you have peace about it, it's gonna be a stretching experience where you start doing other things that you might not have been comfortable with before, but God is leading you. When you do that, God shows up and he does incredible things. So can we show Maddie and Eric some love this morning? I am so thankful for them. Um, I'm also thankful for all of the gifts that we do receive. We do believe in giving the tithe, which is 10%. And we believe in going above and beyond that, in giving an offering to the Lord. And then there are times and seasons where we take up special offerings and collections for different needs. I wanna tell you about a place in scripture you might not be familiar with. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter eight this morning. And I'm gonna show you some people who demonstrated their love in a really practical way. So if you'll go with me there to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 and go through verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. This would be, I know it's called 2 Corinthians, but just so that you're up on your Bible trivia, it's actually his third letter, and we can talk about that more next week. But today, let's understand this here. When he talks to them, he's going to be talking to them about giving and being generous with what they've been given. Here it says in verse 1, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. He's talking to the Corinthians about the churches in Macedonia. He says this in verse two, for in a severe test, somebody say, oh no, <laughs> oh no. In a severe test of affliction, that does not sound like a good day, y'all. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I want to give you some context so that you understand. What's going on in the world during the writing of Paul is there has been a famine. There's been drought and famine, and it's literally gone around the entire sphere of what you know as the Bible maps in your Bible. It's gone from places like Macedonia and Greece. It's reached all the way down to the place that we know as Israel today. It's reached all of those places. The people in Macedonia during this time were impoverished. He calls them, he says they're extreme poverty while living in a severe test of affliction. But it was a season that they were going through and they chose joy over all the junk. Amen. They chose joy. And it says here, something miraculous happened that their extreme poverty transformed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You say, how can you be broke and be generous? because God will supply the need as we put everything that we have in his hand. Verse three says this, it says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Verse four, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. 
I want to stop there for just a moment. I want you to see that in verse 3, he says, they gave according to their means, and they even went beyond their means of their own will, of their own desire, and their own accord, that they had what they had, and they gave out of that lack that place of need, and that's what he is praising. In in fact, he says in verse four that they begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in this collection. So let me give you a little bit more context. There are people who are living in Jerusalem at this time. There are both Jews who have now converted to Christianity because they've understood that Christ is the Messiah. They are living there and fellowshipping together. And then there are others who are Gentiles who have become believers who are living there in Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been hard hit. And here's what Paul is trying to communicate to the Corinthian church. He is trying to say, we wanna be part of blessing them. The Gentiles in Macedonia have done it. We want you to do it as well because you blessing them is going to pay amazing dividends in the future. He says this, that they begged him for the favor of taking part in the relief and not as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us also. I want you to understand this concept. God wants all of you and he wants your heart first. He wants your heart and every part of you. In fact, if he gets your heart, he can have your purse. If he gets your heart, he can have your wallet because he knows that if his heart, his heart of compassion can reach in and get to us, then we be transformed by his word and the truth, then we'll, there's nothing that could be impossible for the people of God when they serve a God who with nothing is impossible. Amen? So when we take a look at this, we understand that he's writing to the Corinthians. Now, let me give you a little bit more context. The Corinthians are not experiencing the same hardship. This is an uppity city where they've got a little bit more cash flow and they think themselves really good and really well off. They actually pride themselves in superior things, like we're superior in our faith, we're superior in our knowledge. And Paul is gonna challenge them in just a verse or two and say, you know what? I want you to be superior in your giving also. So I think this is a great way to start our Heart for the House series because it it gives us this understanding that God can use anything you give him And the amount that you give is different than the person who sits next to you. It doesn't make it less or worse in quality. It's the quality of the heart that gives it. I love what Jesus says when he highlights, he's looking, and I hope you understand this, God knows what we give, right? So he's looking, Jesus during his ministry is looking and he sees that woman come in and give her two small, I could say pennies in today's day and age. It was just the, the only thing she had, she gave. And all these other people might've been walking away going, <laughs> look at me, I put in a hundred dollar bill, y'all. And she is giving literally everything she has with faith to believe that God, I'm gonna put this in here and I don't know if I'm gonna get groceries. 
I don't know if you're going to meet the need. I'm confident that you are, but I'm really scared. And in the midst of my fear, I'm gonna embrace faith and I'm gonna put what I've got into this pot and see you do something amazing. God does that throughout his word, through and through. In fact, he gives us a challenge and a caution in the days of the Israelites when they were collecting manna. If you remember the story, quail was you know, floating down from heaven and manna was dropping and they were, getting, they were able to collect what they needed, but the Bible says that if they got stingy and collected more than they should, it would go bad. It would spoil in their hands because it wasn't being used for the right purpose. So my challenge to us as a church is if we're going to have a heart for the house, we want to obviously make sure that our bills and things are taken care of and be good stewards. I don't want you to have any type of guilt when we talk about our generosity and what we have the opportunity to do, but I do want you to dig deep in your heart before you dig into your wallet or your purse. Because God wants you to understand that when you put it in his hands, he can do so much more with it than you ever thought you could. I'm telling you from experience, I've shared the story before about the woman who dropped off groceries at my house as a child. We were living in a trailer on an orange grove. We had 13 dogs to take care of. Um, my parents were crazy to let us have that many dogs to take care of, but we had a ton of dogs to take care of. Um, we loved it, but we fell on hard times. In the middle of that moment, God spoke to a woman who we'd never met, never met after, never had crossed her path or anything that we know of. She was in the grocery store and as she was there shopping, she felt the Holy Spirit speak to her and say, put more groceries in your cart. And I don't know about you, but if God's ever speaking to you in a grocery store, you ought to listen because that's an important moment, right? And so she starts grabbing groceries and things that she doesn't actually eat, like granola bars and fruit snacks or whatever for kids stuff. She didn't have kids in her house and the Lord led her to start doing that. She doesn't have a dog, but she bought like more than 50 pounds of dog food. She puts all of this in her car on a rainy night and drives out. She says that the Holy Spirit told her where to go. She drives out on this old country road while we're living in this trailer on an orange grove and backs her car up, knocks on the door, and we stand there. Literally, this is not like we're in between paychecks and we still got stuff in the pantry. This is all the cereal is gone. Crackers are wiped out like nothing. Everything's bare. Dad can't find a job. We're having so many issues and we don't know what God is going to do. And yet this woman who we've never met before, never seen after, shows up with a trunk full of groceries and dog food for my dogs. Can you give God praise for that? Like, that's amazing. I tell that story because I want it to build your faith. A, you could be the person who's obedient to do something generous to someone else, even in the midst of whatever your need is, which is amazing. But you can be on the receiving side of that if you just trust God. Another thing that we talk about often is the fact that the Lord has blessed our church financially. He blessed us years ago with a solid gift. And that gift was not just a little bit in a birthday card. It was $150,000 to bless this ministry here to see us do renovations and start building with faith those rooms that now are almost to capacity with kids in all of those environments. And we have struggles on a Wednesday night to share space with our children and now with our teens. I don't know what 
to do. I could tell you like, hey, let's buy one of those classroom trailers and set it out here so the youth could have a place to be. But here's what I'm telling you. God is doing something because he has designed and desired to do that. And I wanna be part of it. I absolutely wanna be part of it. So I'm so thankful for the, the legacy that God has given. And every time I share those stories, I think about your faithfulness too. I think about the fact that there are people who are part of our church who have been here for 15 years or more, who continue to give faithfully, who have given to the need when it was presented, who went above and beyond in special times and who stay consistently faithful. That is such an amazing blessing to the house of God and the people of God, not because it pays a light bill or anything like that, but because it enables us to do ministry we weren't doing three, four months ago. Amen? So can you give yourselves a round of applause? Like clap for your neighbor, okay? It might not be you. That might be a little bit weird, but that's a really great thing. So it says here in verse six, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, verse seven, I love it, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. There's a spiritual connection to our giving, whether it's the giving of ourself, whether it's the giving of our time, whether it's the giving of our talent, whether it's the giving of our money. There is a spiritual connection to that. And Paul is relating this to the Corinthian church uh, he's trying to communicate to them, Jesus did this on your behalf. He became poor so that you would become rich. And he's not saying I'm commanding you to become poor so that those in Jerusalem can become rich. I'm just telling you there's a need. And if you got the opportunity to meet it and partner with it, make it happen. Because Crystal's $5 with Amy's $5 with Hope's $5 makes a bigger impact and a bigger difference than one of them singly could ever make. So when Paul met with the original apostles, they agreed to divide the mission field. Paul would focus on the Gentiles and they would focus on the Jews. But they did make one request of Paul that he would remember that many believers in Jerusalem were in need of financial help. Since the gospel began among the Jews, Paul thought it appropriate for Gentile Christians to acknowledge and be thankful for the Jewish people. And they could do this by sharing some of their material blessings. So as part of his work with those churches, Paul coordinated an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. So he, he begins this passage when we talked a moment ago, he begins by describing how generous the believers in Northern Greece had been and that although they were very poor, they were very generous. Here's what they chose to do. And this is what I want you to choose to do. Not just because we're doing a giving initiative over the course of the next few weeks and months, but because I believe with all of my heart, this biblical understanding should really be inside of us. And that is this. They didn't allow their lack to limit their faith. They didn't allow their lack to limit their faith. They also didn't allow their poverty to limit their generosity and neither should we 
Because God can do something incredible with the little piece that you offer to him. Jesus' miracles, they're all over the pages of the New Testament. He said, hey, what are we gonna feed these thousands of people? Well, I don't have much, but this is what I got. Well, great, that'll do. And guess what? We'll even have left over. That's incredible. God did it when it came to provision for them. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he will do it again, even for us. So they gave more than Paul thought that they could. Here's the question, why did they give? Because that verse, verse seven, eight, and nine, tell us that they gave themselves first to Christ. They submitted their heart to Christ. They submitted their life to him. And because of that, then they had a desire and a heart for his house. And we're not talking about a physical building. We're talking about the family of believers. So Paul wanted the Corinthians to follow this Macedonian example. And the Macedonians proved their spiritual, that spiritual maturity leads to material generosity. I want you to think about that. I can gauge your spiritual maturity if I look at your checkbook. I really can. It's not a superpower. It's just the way it works. I can see that if God gets his first and you live on the rest, God continues to bless. I can see it through and through. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the times where we thought we struggled to tithe as a family, but we continue to make that choice and press forward because we say, God, we're living in obedience. And if we're living in obedience, this is all on you. Right? If we're living in the place of obedience, then it's all on him. So our spiritual maturity leads to material generosity. The apostle Paul challenges the Corinthians to have a heart for the house. He thinks that since the Corinthians had more money than the Macedonians, they could and should be even more generous. So it's all based on where you are at the time. It's all based on what you've got in your hand. Paul appeals to the tendency of the Corinthian church and Christians to think of themselves as better than others. He says, listen, you think you're greater than the rest when it comes to knowledge, when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to speech, in all of these other areas. Great, I'm so glad you're great. Be great in this as well. Now, it's not often that people like comparison. (laughs) I don't know about you, if you've ever been compared to somebody else, uh, a sibling, for instance, uh, or somebody else that was maybe in the same frame of life as you. But comparison sometimes is a thief. It's a thief of joy because in the moment where you're comparing yourself, and listen, we know it because we scroll through that Instagram feed and we're like, she's prettier than I am. She definitely is if she's, you know, never mind. Anyway, she, <laughs> he's more handsome than I am, or you would say she's prettier than I am, or oh, look at that new car they just got. Oh, look at that. We have no idea the struggle in their life. We have no idea of what all the details of their life are. So instead of just comparing and being robbed of joy, live the life that God has called you to live. And here when Paul tells these people that, he is kind of giving a pull on their pride to say, hey, listen, you think you're great. Be great in this too. Be great for the kingdom of God. Now, I wanna say this. I fellowshiped with a church in New Jersey, a Hispanic church, uh, was there frequently with my dad. He was learning uh, Spanish. Uh, he wanted to preach in Spanish and got the, the opportunity to do that in other places in some Latin American countries. 
We would go to fellowship at that church. You have never been in church until you've been to a Hispanic service when there are people singing and dancing and so excited about Jesus. I mean, they're emotional people. Like, I love it. I just, I would get charged up. So my dad and I, we would go, mi gente, okay, it's my people, all right? We would go to the Spanish service and we would be there for worship and my dad would be listening to the message and trying to understand it. And we were just getting some experience, but I made some good friendships there and some friends from school went to that church. And I remember being in that church and I remember being completely amazed when they handed a bulletin to me at the door. I don't know if I've ever shared this with this church, but when they handed the bulletins out, they had a statement in there about the weekly giving that was received the Sunday before. And it was listed by name. Shoo. We're not doing that. I wonder if we'd get more or get a whole lot less, I don't know, of people probably. Uh, it's a different culture, okay? But I say that to challenge your understanding, not to put fear in you like, oh gosh, I better put extra today in case they print next week. Uh, we don't do that, but I will tell you this. In, in their cultural understanding, that was something, I was amazed because like I literally couldn't sing worship songs. I was sitting there going, oh, senorita so-and-so gave so-and-so. Like, I'm like, look, oh, look, they gave $1,000 last week week. I was, I was sidetracked because I was living in a place of immaturity at that point. But here's what I'm telling you. I knew that that would prove to be a good example in a message someday. <laughs> so, here's, so here's what I'm telling you. I am telling you that God, by his Holy Spirit, inspired Paul to speak a word directly to the Corinthian church, to the heart that they had and they knew that they were better than other people. And he says, so be better than those who were so poor and yet gave. Because when I show up, I sure would hate to show up and get put to shame by saying, oh, well, the church in Corinth didn't give as much as the Macedonians. He was really pulling at their heart. And God utilized that for a good purpose. In fact, you can read details about the offering that's received in other passages of scripture and what good it did for those believers in Jerusalem who had then made their decision of faith to walk with Christ and then to receive anonymously from churches around the world, the blessing that would help propel them forward. I love what he says in verses 10 and 11. Paul adds a qualification and he says, give out of what you have. So give according to your ability, give according to your faith. The truth is God knows your heart, he knows your willingness, and he knows our bank balances. He knows the challenge. I love this row of college students right here and all the other ones, wherever you are. They give, can, I'll tell you this, the bookkeeper asked me a few months back if there was an error because there was an online gift and it was like $7.93 or something. And they were like, there's gotta be something wrong with this. No, there was a college student who was tithing off of the dollar amount they received that week and it was small, it was $70 and whatever. And so they gave that, that is amazing. Give them a, a hand. Because what we say in our church is that practice makes permanent. So it's a struggle now to give seven. It'll still be a struggle later to give 70. And it'll be a struggle later to give 700. It'll be a struggle maybe even later to give 7,000. But God will use whatever, <laughs> God will use whatever you have in your hands. 
Sorry, I missed that little memo over there. But So your attitude about your money has spiritual significance. 2 Corinthians 8 seems to say that your offering is evidence of your love and your concern for others. Notice I didn't say tithes. Your tithes are what you do to obey God and say, God, everything I have is yours. I'm giving you this piece back so you can use it for your glory. But when we go above and beyond that, we call that an offering. And so here it seems to, see, to, to be that the physical evidence of our spiritual heart for the house is demonstrated even in scripture because it blessed others and the development of the ministry there in Jerusalem. So for our 2018 Heart for the House offering, we get the same opportunity to prove our love. And your love may be limited right now based on what's in the bank. But I want you to prayerfully consider. Now this, I am not a TV preacher who is saying, you put a seed offering in this offering and I promise if you give $100 a day, God's gonna bless you with a thousand tomorrow. I'm not doing that. I can't, okay? I don't like it. It makes me wanna throw up. But what I am saying is if you put a seed in the vision and if you have a heart in partnership with the heart for the house, if you give according to your ability, if you give sacrificially, if you give obediently, if you give faithfully, then God will bless that no matter how small you think it might be. So we have faith promise cards and I want to tell you a little bit about a faith promise as the worship team comes. We're gonna do a final song in just a moment. I wanna tell you what a faith promise looks like though, because I know today's day and age is different than back then, okay? It's even different than when I was a kid. Um, there are lots of things that have changed, but our economy has changed as well. And so we might have different pay schedules and things like that. What I wanna tell you today is what we call a faith promise is literally us taking a moment to say, God, here are my finances. I think I could give $50 in this offering. Over the next three weeks, I'll break it down and give maybe let's say $75 and then do 25 a week for the next three weeks. God, bless that faith. I don't really have the ability to give that whole thing. I think I could come up with 50, but I'm gonna add a little bit to that because I really believe that God, you're in what you're doing here is important and I wanna support it. I love the fact that we have people in our church who don't have kids in our Celebrate Kids ministry, who don't have grandkids in their Celebrate Kids ministry, and yet they still give to Celebrate Kids. So it's a blessing that can can pay dividends to others. So the faith promise is a faith commitment. And here's what it is. It's for church members. If you're not a member yet, you should feel no pressure about this. If you are a member, I want your partnership, your hands locked in ours to be able to build this together. I want you to prayerfully consider the amount that you could promise. This is a promise that is something that you say, God, I want you to make this happen and make this work. We're not gonna call you and say, hey, Don, you said you'd give $100. <laughs> Only got 50 so far, buddy. We're not doing that. That's not this church, okay? We don't do that. That's between you and God. We do wanna see a significant uh, pouring out of love, whatever that is, and we wanna look at those cards so that we can say, hey, this is what we've raised in faith for our youth ministry, but we are absolutely not gonna be making phone calls or anything like that. So I want you to be confident to know that. I also want you to know this, your pastor is completely against 
anything where you are cutting into your tithes. I don't say that because the light bill depends on that or a salary. I'm saying that because I believe God's word is true. And when you give it to God, you say it's in your hands. I can't direct it where I want to. So this is above and beyond the tithes. This offering that we would be taking up is beyond that. And your faith really is to be placed in God, not in your own power. So we wanna encourage our members to commit to give as much money as possible while trusting God to meet their needs. The whole process is to be carried out in faith. We've done this before with missionaries who we've said we don't have the church budget necessarily to take them on every month, but we'd love to have some partners in the church. And we have people who faithfully supply the needs of submissions just because they said, God, if you give me the ability to do this, then I will continue to obey. Here's what I am gonna say. Think outside the box. I love how kids and teens treat money. They are really creative, okay? Sometimes they steal from their parents, but you know you're laughing because you did it, okay? But they're really creative. And I've dealt, I was a youth pastor for seven years. When we came to missions giving time for our students, they were putting on a car wash. They were getting out and doing yard work. They were finding a way to make their faith work out in practicality. So just because you don't have it yet doesn't mean you shouldn't put it down. And here's what I will tell you. If you're married and your spouse says a number that's lower than your number, put the higher number. God will meet that need. The Bible calls us to give cheerfully, faithfully, but never grudgingly. And guilt should never be the motivation behind your gift. Faith should. So here are the instructions for this morning as we started our Heart for the House series. We have at our prayer stations little faith promise cards. On the back of it, it says, my or our faith promise is, and then it's got four blanks. And it says, for three weeks, blank, for six weeks, blank, for three months, blank, or for six months, blank. So I don't know if God might've already spoken to a few of us here today, but here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand right now. And I want you to, as the worship team plays, I want us to go over to the prayer station and just pick up a card and return to your seat. There are pens in the backs of each of the seats. And I just want us to have a moment of prayer where we ask God and say, God, I got a dollar amount in my head, but I'm not sure if that's what you want me to do. You can go ahead and step out right now and go grab those faith promise cards and return to your seat. On the front side, it says what your name is. So you just fill in, in your name. You can leave it anonymous. That's okay with us too. We do wanna see the dollar amounts though. And what I'd encourage you to do is if you're ready to do something today, you can earmark any of your gifts and just say in the memo line of your check, youth, or you can put heart for the house. Also, if you're not ready today and you say, this is something I'm gonna have to look at my finances and pray about, I want you to take that faith promise card home with you. Over the next three weeks, we're going to collect those offerings. And then even if you need to stretch it out over a six month period of time, we would love to see what your faith is gonna look like and how we could say, wow, look at what we've done. So I'll tell you the secret number in my head in case there's anybody in this room who has the ability more so than someone else. And that is my goal in this is for us to raise $3,000 for our teenagers this year. 
We've got events that we're already promoting. We've got summer camp that we're hoping that our, our teens will go to. We're offering sponsorships to those who wouldn't have enough funding to get to those things. We have weekly expenses and we just bought a basketball uh, goal that we set up and it's outside. You saw the fire pit that's there as well that'll be used for ministry. We've started pouring into the, that area of ministry even without having the funds to do so. So I'm just believing God is gonna meet your faith and my faith with my wife, and we're gonna all partner together to see what God can do. As they sing this song for just a moment, I want us to just prayerfully consider what that is. And then as you leave today, if you filled out a faith promise card, simply drop it in the giving box. You don't have to drop any money with it. And again, you don't even have to have your name on it. Just write down the dollar amount that you're thinking God will supply in your life to supply the need for this house. Father, I thank you for the hearts that are turned to you. I thank you for those Macedonian believers. We'll meet them someday in heaven who gave out of their extreme poverty to bless the believers that were in Jerusalem. Lord, we'll meet those who were the Corinthian church who said, yes, we excel in everything and we're gonna do great in this too. God, we'll be able to celebrate with them as believers in Clinton have committed in faith to provide for the need that's in your house. Lord, I thank you for all you've done in this place. I thank you for what you've done in the history of our church over these last few years. God, I pray that you would speak to every heart today that holds a card. In Jesus' name, amen.